0: Welcome to the PK Apparel Podcast. I'm Jay Bussell, one of your hosts. I'm joined by the one and only Mark Graham, who is the Chief Platform Officer of CommonSkew and also one of the OG Original Gangster Founding Chefs of Promo Kitchen. Mark, how's it going?
1: I am doing great, Jay, and I'm on a podcast with you today, but I am not dancing that's an inside joke. Don't
0: give that away. Yeah. yeah, That's secret sauce, man. You can't give up that good news. The best part of this podcast though, isn't us. It's who we've had join us today. And we have the one and only Brett Bowden. Brett is a friend of mine. I've gotten to know over the last couple of years on a better scale. And he is what I call a true original. And I can't wait for us to dive into his story and hear some of his background, his experience, what he's doing now. And I love the fact that he titles himself as El Capitan of Printed Threads. And I had the amazing opportunity to visit Brett at his shop about six months ago and to get to know a little bit more about him and his culture and his company. It was amazing. And that's what got me thinking about, we've got to have Brett on this podcast. He's going to be awesome. So without any more time wasted, Brett, welcome to our podcast. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Well, we're fired up because you are here. That's the whole point. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, Brett, give us a little background. Take maybe a minute two Tops. So we don't want to go into you know, what you were doing at five years old, but what are you about? Tell us about your background. Give us some of the perspectives of what you're doing, how your business started. Give us that nitty gritty details, a little bit about you, a little bit about the company. Spice it up. Sure thing. Grew up in Grapevine,
2: Texas. Too far from where I live now for people that travel to DFW ever, that is where the planes land. And I played music growing up. I always wanted to kind of be in a band and be a rock star and all those great dreams that you have when you're a kid. And I was very fortunate to be able to be in a band with some of my best friends in high school that turned out to get to do some cool things. So I traveled the country and parts of the world playing music for several years, and to be honest, I loved it and got to meet a lot of really cool people, but at some point decided, you know, it's obvious we're not going to be the Rolling Stones, uh, so we should probably try to figure out what to do next. So I bowed out and went to college, got a degree in music not really the best degree to have if you want to get a job making lots of money. And so through that, I actually worked through college as a cable guy and graduated from University of Colorado, Denver, and decided I would go be a teacher. And I graduated from college in 2009, which was not a great economic climate. And all of the school districts were on hiring freezes. So I had a really hard time finding a job as a teacher, unfortunately. And I remember it's back when I was touring in a rock band, I started a little shop and started making t-shirts for my band and my friends' bands. And when I got so busy that I was just never home, I sold it to a buddy of mine. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe I could try that again. So (laughs) while I'm kind of working as a cable guy still, I started a little print shop in my garage. That was 2010. Nice. Several years later, you know, we were just blowing and going. And, you know, we ended up on Inc. Magazine's fastest growing companies list at 826. So it's just crazy how it just worked out. So this is where I am today. (laughs) I do a lot of education for our industry, which is kind of fun. It kind of goes full circle to the fact that I wanted to be a teacher in the first place. and Able to give back to our community and other communities that are similar to ours. And just doing the best I can to help other people and to create a great place to work for people that work for me.
0: That is such a cool story. I'm so glad you shared that. Wow. The genesis of printed threads, genesis of printed threads. I did not know any of that. I mean, you might've told me I knew you were in a rock band, but how cool is that? What a great way to start. And here you are like, you know, almost 10 years later crushing it in the apparel decoration space. What a great story. Mark, what do you think? Isn't that amazing? I'm blown away. I have so many
1: questions, Brett. And you know, first off, congratulations on your great success. It's just so awesome to see what you've built in such a short period of time. I'm curious if you can take me from this moment in 2010, I think you said, where you're in your garage, you have just decided that you want to start this business. It's really small. And the next part of your story is that you're number 826 on the Inc. 5,000 list or 1,000 list. Take me through that journey because a lot of people, I think, in the screen printing world really struggle to grow and scale. They stay small. But in your case, you obviously blew up in a good way. Take me through some of the steps in that journey.
2: It's almost hard to walk through it. I get questions at trade shows all the time, like, how did you guys grow so fast? And, you know, there's like the secret sauce or magical moment that I can't completely understand or explain I do struggle sometimes because just like you guys I go to work every day and I rarely step back and take a look at everything and be thinking oh my gosh look at what we've become. I struggle with that personally. So when someone comes to the shop the first time and they're like oh my gosh this place is huge or whatever, I I just never think about it like that. But if I step back and I think about what happened, I mean I remember Printing in my garage and printing all night long. And I would go to work during the day. I'd come home and I'd print all night long, take a shower and go back to work some days. And I remember sitting down with my father and he just said, Brett, if you're working this hard without trying to do the business, why don't you just try to do the business and quit your job? You know, so wow. So I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, it's probably the first time I actually took my father's advice. Good advice. It was a hard thing to walk through, you know, myself and my wife, we had two kids at the time, and that's a scary step to take. And so we had to kind of get together and say, hey, we're gonna take a risk and it's gonna be really hard for a little while. We're not gonna have any money. My wife at the time was a nurse and she had been working part-time. And so she continued to work two days a week as a nurse, and that is the only income we had for two years. So I think what people are scared of when it comes to growth and growing a business, people are scared of taking that risk and people are scared of being broke. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being broke for a little while because it's all an investment of your time. It's your sweat equity, right? You watch these shows like Shark Tank and people go on and they say, like, you know, I'm worth this much a year or whatever. Like, no, you're not. Not until you create it. So. We just worked hard to create it. We invested every penny that we had back into the business so that we would have better equipment, so that we could move faster, be more efficient, so that we could play with the big boys. If you don't have the right equipment to compete with the big dogs, you're never going to be one. So we invested a lot into technology and just education, learning as much as we could. We would go to trade shows and conferences, and then I would just sit around people that have been doing it longer than me and soak it all up and then come back and apply it. So I think that's why I kind of feel like education is so important to me is because I need to give back because people gave to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Brett, I love that answer. And, you know, if you go back to the very early days when you were starting printed threads, did you have this grand vision as to what printed threads would become? And if so, are you able to share what that was in terms of how it is that you saw yourself being positioned in the industry or was it less complicated than that? (laughs) Did you just want to go and print shirts and see what happened?
2: I never even thought about it. I think that I wanted to print shirts and make enough money to take care of my family. That's all I ever thought about. And it's just weird that some opportunities arose. I think I put myself out there a little bit and just said, hey, I want to help. Where can I help? I got an opportunity, even going back to thinking about how big it could be. I remember going into a print shop that had two presses and thinking, wow, what would it be like? I I never even Mm -hmm. dreamt that we would be bigger than that one day. So uh, about five years ago or four years ago, Ryanette was looking for someone to teach classes in the Fort Worth, Texas, or just somewhere in North Texas. And I just reached out. I had met Ryan several times. I didn't know him very well, but I said, I might be interested in doing that. And I think that's where a big part of the launching off kind of happened. Around the same time, I had met up with a couple buddies at a trade show. Actually, ISS Long Beach, there's an ink company called Rutland. And we had been really social with our reps. And they said, hey, come to a dinner. We went to a dinner. We met a couple people. One guy named Rick Roth, who owns a big shop called Mirror Image up in New England. Another guy named Tom Davenport
0: that owns Motion Textile up in Sacramento, California. We became very... And hold on, hold on. And for those of you listening, that's like screen printing royalty right there. You just have to understand that. Yeah, sure. So
2: we all became really good friends. Very close. They have this blog and kind of thing that they set up at trade shows to help other printers called the Ink Kitchen. And we ended up becoming business partners, which is like kind of the craziest thing. Meanwhile, I'm working with SGIA. SGIA has asked me to be on a committee to help the garment decoration people. And at the same time, I'm starting to teach classes for Ryonet. So it literally was
0: like, maybe like a six month time frame. all that stuff happens. But Brett, it didn't just happen. Like, I mean, you'd paid your dues already. I mean, you had had several years, I'm guessing you started with a manual press, right? So you say that, like, I understand the transition happened quickly, but it didn't happen overnight. Is that fair to say? I guess. I mean, I think that
2: I put in a lot of effort. Obviously, I worked really hard. I think that's like, you work really hard. I'm a fairly social person, end up meeting a lot of random people in random places. And then I look up one day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all these
0: things. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so cool. So why don't we do this? Let's talk about just a little bit more recently, like in the last two or three years. So your training backgrounds come into play. You've made great connections with networking. You're officially part of organizations and associations and your business is growing. But with that growth comes struggles, comes challenges. What maybe could you talk about in the last Year, two years, something recent, without getting too specific, but what are some of the struggles maybe that your company has been challenged with that you were able to overcome?
2: Oh man, I mean, there's a new problem every day, but if we, <laughs> um, if we look at our PL, look at your PL and look at the biggest percentage expenses. Not only are they your biggest percentage expenses, they're your biggest problems. So people are really hard. No matter how much you want to take care of people and how much you try to help people, you can never solve the fact that you are the man, so to speak, right? You are the boss. You are the man. You know, if there's ever a problem, you're to blame for it, right? And so kind of getting through that, trying to create that culture and become a we, not you and them type situation, that's been really difficult. We achieve it every once in a while. And then something wrecks it for a second. And then we go back
0: and forth and that type of thing. Well, that's really important. It sounds like what you're saying, that culture, that you know, coming together where we're in this to win this together. I know that's cliche, but it's so important to have everyone kind of pointed in the right direction. And I know also, and I'm sure Mark, you can speak to this as well. That's an ongoing battle, right? That's not just something that goes away.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely an ongoing battle. And every once in a while, you'll make a bad hire or someone that has been great on your team will turn sour or something like that. We had a situation a few years ago where we had an employee lie a little bit and file a lawsuit and sued me for a million dollars because he's claimed to have slipped and fell at work. You know, so That was a big one. You know, That's a really hard... Lawsuits are hard. No matter the case, you could do nothing wrong and you're still going to spend $30,000 defending something, right? So that, that was crazy, big, kind of scary problem we overcame a few years ago, learned a lot. Yeah,
0: that sounds like a big, scary challenge. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> you know, cash flow is the other thing. Ah, uh, yes. The other biggest expenditure that we have other than wages is t-shirts. So inventory when you're
0: buying blanks?
2: Yeah, so you gotta spend a lot of money to get it in and then hope that you get paid on time. And the bigger your shop gets, the more work you do, the higher profile clients that you work with, a lot of those guys don't pay in 30 days,
0: you know? Or ahead of time, they don't pay you up front either, right?
2: Right. And so sometimes we're sitting on invoices for 90 days and that makes life really hard. And so cash flow management is very difficult. And then also just kind of keeping people on the team can be difficult. I feel like we've been fairly successful at it, but every once, I mean, I had an employee quit the other day Our <laughs> sorry, he didn't quit. But we had an employee that decided he didn't want to work here the other day and threatened to punch me in the face. And I had to let him go, you know, so it's like, every once in a while, you're going to have a bad apple, and you just got to do the best you can to keep them from poisoning the well. Hey, Brett,
1: you know, when I hear your story about growing, and you know, some people listening to this, they may get worried about the problems that come with growth. You've been a one man band in your garage, and now you've got dozens of employees. Where do you think that sweet spot has been for you in terms of like when you felt like you, A, were making the most amount of money and B, were like spiritually the happiest in your job? I know it's a deep question, but I'm just always curious about this journey that entrepreneurs make and whether they can grow past happy. I'm not suggesting you're at that stage at all. You may be at that perfect stage, but do you have any thoughts about that in terms of like when and where that right point in your growth trajectory is?
2: Okay. Well, have you seen the movie Free Solo?
1: The rock climbing movie. I have not. It's the Alex Honnold movie, right?
2: It's the movie where the dude without ropes climbs, you know, this crazy thing and like all of his friends are watching at the, you know, and he could die at any minute, right?
1: Yeah, I have not seen it. I heard it's amazing.
2: So they did an EEG on this guy and there was basically like a part of his brain that is messed up, right? Like people, <laughs> people like that that are like, thrill junkies or whatever like you know you've got to climb mount everest in order to feel like you've succeeded or whatever right i think entrepreneurs are kind of similar to that (laughs) like (laughs) you have to be a little bit crazy right to be able to take those kind of risks and deal with the things that you deal with i've worked a lot of jobs in my life too and i never understood why my boss thought the way my boss thinks and now i know right but i feel like there are people out there that can just be on the manual press in their garage or I, I know you guys have a lot of PPD people that, you know, that there are probably just one person at their house, like, and they yeah. call on enough people to make their money and they're truly happy. Yep. Yeah. And then what's wrong with me that at some point I say, like, what would it be like to be bigger? I want to be bigger. I want to, you know, <laughs> what the heck is wrong with me? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, let's keep growing. This is exciting, you know, and and I feel I honestly feel like where we are now as a you know multi-million dollar company, I feel like the easiest it ever was and the most fun it ever was was right around a little over a million bucks. That's a small enough shop to where your team is super tight, you're tight with them, and you're just one of the guys, you're making good money it's very manageable you have you know less equipment all that stuff as you grow yeah. you know there's there's other milestones and i have to think about the fact that like you know if in 2015 i bought an rv and i loaded my family up in it and we drove around the country for a year and a half you can't do that as a 1 million dollar company there's just not enough money and not enough structure not enough people right and yeah That was an amazing thing that I did. But in order to get there, you have to have structure, people, processes, you know, money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those RVs aren't cheap. You got (laughs) to totally.
2: And uh, I just I don't know where the perfect spot is, to be completely honest. Like, I think I could be perfectly happy at any of those levels right now. But I do enjoy that. Where we are now with the amount of structure and people that we have and the redundancy of people, because that's another thing. If you just have one artist or you just have one customer service person, if they quit or call in sick, you're screwed, right? And so having the redundancy of people to kind of cover for each other and that type of thing allows me a huge amount of freedom. And what I personally feel passionate about is like helping other people, educating our industry, being involved in movements that can change our industry. And I wouldn't be able to be involved in all those things if I didn't have a company the size of what ours is now.
0: That's awesome. I love that passion point that you talked about and finding that sweet spot. Brad, as I've gotten to know you, you seem like the type of person you'd be happy no matter what. So some people are kind of wired that way. I'm not saying that you're not dissatisfied at times or that you, know, you don't go through struggles. We all do. But I think it's part of your nature to be focused and driven, but yet you can find some moments to be happy and satisfied. This podcast has been brought to
1: you by our good friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Nike Golf, OGO, District, District Made, and SportTech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. You can also tune in to Sanmar's new twice-monthly podcast, Sanmar Radio,
0: for expert insights and inspiration to grow your business. Hey, you brought up something really cool about I think it was when I first met you. I didn't realize that even though you have I would classify you guys as a large shop. I mean, small, let's say is in your garage, medium, you actually have a brick and mortar place with maybe one auto. And then large, we'll say is bigger than that because I know there's huge, huge corporations that would dwarf this conversation, but I'm going to classify you as a large apparel decorator. So as you've gotten to that point, what I was surprised about was that you guys were still doing local events and that you were setting up and printing live. Now I called it live printing or printing live, and you had a different name for it. I think you called it an activation. Is that right? Yeah, we call them live activations. Tell us about that. You're a large company, but yet you're going to focus in on some local businesses in the greater DFW area, and you're printing live with a small manual printer. At least that's what I saw you guys doing. And it looked super cool, by the way. Tell us about that. It's kind
2: of funny because we'll go get a little bit of manual press, and we'll show up at a music festival or something, and we will print shirts right in front of people. And people are blown away. People have no idea how shirts are made, right? And so we're putting them right in front of them. They say, I want a large shirt. and We're like, cool. We throw it on the press. We print the design on the front of it, put it through a little portable dryer that we have, and they walk off with a shirt that's still hot as they hold it in their hands. They saw how it was made. (laughs) They have this cool, intimate relationship with the process now. And it's so funny because they have no idea what it looks like. In our facility right with these big presses and all that stuff (laughs) yeah but it's a really cool way to get in front of people and we need to think about marketing marketing is so important and how do you do something different than the guy next to you in order to be noticed and that was one thing that i feel like really helped us out you know several years ago music festivals are saying you know we want to have merch we don't know how much to order we don't want to overorder because then we won't make any money And I said, well, we'll just come out on site and we'll print on site. You will walk away with money no matter what, because we'll give you a cut of everything that we print. It's just been taken on to like a whole new level where like, you know, these big companies at their corporate events or corporate parties say like, we would love to have t-shirts to give away, but how cool would it be if people saw the t-shirts being printed right in front of them? And Mm -hmm. and it's something that's more valuable than just a t-shirt. It's an experience. Right, It's an experience and then not only are we providing that experience, we're marketing our company at the same time. There's nothing better than that.
0: Nothing, nothing better than that. That's so cool. Well, I have to brag a little bit because you invited me to one of the coolest places possible to see you guys doing this live, which was at a uh, South by Southwest event where apparently the city of Fort Worth decided to throw a pretty big party And you guys were there printing live. So A, thank you for inviting me. And B, what a killer time. I mean, live music, drinks, good times, networking, printing shirts, listening to live music. Dude, it was, talk about the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, those things all came together. And it was magic for me to sit back and watch their eyes glued to the operator, the pressman, the person pulling that squeegee and seeing this process. I mean, you could see the connection they were getting out of it. That was so cool for me. Yeah, and
2: you know, sometimes you never know who's going to be at those events, right? It could be just a bunch of people that are just normal people like you and me.
0: Thank you yeah, by the way for saying welcome. I'm normal. That that I like that.
2: It could also be the CEO of some huge company. It could be the marketing director for whoever, you know, and they're walking away. They're already right. thinking about you as they walk away with like, what yep. can we do with these guys, you know?
1: Very cool. I just think it's such a cool marketing tactic. You use the word connection, Jay. And you know, something that I talk a lot about with my distributor experience with right sleeve is this whole idea of how we're really in the emotional connection business and producing promotional merchandise that has this really strong connection between the company that we're working with and the recipient of the product. And just to see how excited people get about products that are done well. I mean, there's products that are not done well and people don't get excited about that, but we're not going to talk about that. But when products are done well and there's a real alignment with the brand and the customer and everything else, it's a magical moment. These local activations that you're talking about, Brett, I think are a perfect example of that. So that's a comment. So kudos to you. And I had a follow-up question to talk about your business mix. So we've spent a lot of time talking about screen printing and shirts and live activations and that side of the business. You mention you never know who's in the crowd. So if it's a CEO of a big corporation or marketing director at, say, Google or Facebook, and they come to you and say, hey, Brett, that was really awesome. We'd love you to do some work for us at our company. And we need not only T-shirts, but we need the full promotional merchandise experience. How does your company work with that when a company is looking for more than just screen printed merchandise?
2: Yeah, I think it's so funny because there's so many screen printers that just screen print t-shirts. And we have to look at our business model. You know, our business model typically is not what we would call contract printing. Yep. Meaning like we are printing directly for our customers. So when I say we print for the Dallas Mavericks, they literally call us, directly right we're not going through ppd
1: a distributor yeah you're not contracting out to a distributor
2: exactly so in in doing that i mean we've already got them on the phone right like what else can we do and so probably what really was the genesis of all of this is years ago when we were doing all these music festivals i mean the music festival would say can you make us lanyards can you make us flyers can you make us wristbands bracelets whatever And so we started searching out vendors for all these things. And then it was like, well, why don't we just provide that for all of our customers? And so we started kind of doing that more and more because we all want a customer to call us and only us and not our competition. Because if a customer calls Printed Threads and they say, hey, I want some shirts, do you make stadium cups too? And I say, no, I'm sorry, we only make shirts. We don't make stadium cups.
1: Yeah, you lose the business.
2: They're going to call a promotional products distributor that sells stadium cups. But guess what that distributor also sells?
1: T-shirts. Yep.
2: Now they're like, well, I would only have to make one phone call. So that's exactly what I want to eliminate is the fact that I don't want people having to make multiple phone calls. And one of those phone calls be to our competition. Yeah. And then we just kind of dive into like, I don't know if it makes you guys cringe when you hear the term trinkets and trash, but, you know, we just really tried to work on, okay, let's find things that are a little bit more high profile, a little bit more classy. Let's find those suppliers that are providing those types of products. And these are going to be the products that we provide because they match our level of service on the screen printing end.
0: Totally makes sense.
1: Yeah bang on. And I think you're really smart to do it. And I mean, at the end of the day, Brett, someone like myself, who's got more of a promotional products industry background, you are a promotional products distributor, full stop. And you probably don't think of yourself that way in the normal sense because you started off as a screen printer. But the reality is that if your business mix includes the stadium cups and the lanyards and the product that you guys screen print, then you are 100% a distributor. I think you obviously know that. But what I think is great about your model, and we need more people like you, I think waving the flag for the industry is that you've taken this curated approach where you're aligning yourself with the products and suppliers that match your, I think you said level of service, match the kind of clients that you go after. So you're not this, I mean, you said a trinkets and trash salesperson that's like, hey, I can get you anything that's on this white label website that's not your approach. Your approach is more curated and more focused on the types of products that you know are going to be fantastic for your customer. And that means your business is growing. So I think it's a really, really smart approach.
2: Thank you. Yeah. And I think that relationships are really important to me. So when I can meet, you know, stan from alan mugs or whoever and he's a great guy and i know that when i call stan i'm going to get a great product and if, if there's a problem he's going to take care of me right like being able to go out like there's so many amazing people in the industry when you go out to the trade show whether it's ppai or asi or whatever you know trade show you're going to and actually meet those people face to face and create those relationships and know that they're going to take care of you and yeah that's so 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 important And that's what I always leveraged in our screen printing industry. Like we have great relationships with our ink vendors and with our chemical vendors and all that stuff so that when we have a problem, we can take care of it all
0: very well. That's a huge point. Let me see if I can build on that. I was thinking about something you said earlier, and we talked about connections. We talked about networking. We talked about building those relationships. I know a little bit about this story, but I don't want to blow it. So I want you to tell us a little bit about the connection and the networking and how you got involved with All Made. Maybe you could spend just a couple more minutes with us and tell us what is this? What is All Made? How did you get into it? What do you do for them? What is the story? What is the backstory? How is it changing lives and how did it change your life? And I know that's a lot of questions, but Brett, It's amazing. So tell me the all-made story. Tell me your version anyway.
2: Okay. (laughs) So Ryan Moore is the owner of a company called Rionet. If you've ever dabbled anything screen printing related, you've probably seen a video that he has made or whatever. And being good friends with him is dangerous because he is going to pull (laughs) you into all kinds of crazy ideas and then you're just going to be along for the ride but uh, he's a great person with a really big heart and just cares so much about people. And years ago we were at ISS long beach, which is kind of the premier screen printing trade show. And a guy came up to him and said, Hey, I have this company and we make shirts and we make them in Haiti. We make them in this facility. That's a living wage facility. And you know, what we're doing is trying to break the cycle of poverty in Haiti. And so it's kind of an interesting story. Look at the shirt. The shirt's really not that great. (laughs) And he's kind of like hitting up Ryan and myself. He sent me a bunch of samples for us to print. Talks to Ryan, says, hey, go to Haiti with me. And then Ryan commits and then calls me and says, will you go to Haiti too? And I was like, I don't really want to.
0: (laughs) 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 So... Thanks, but no thanks, Ryan. Sounds like a crazy adventure. It was
2: like August, you know. Anyway. Oh, perfect timing. So Ryan goes to Haiti and he comes back and we were in Baltimore teaching a trade show and he pulled me aside so that we can have some alone time to talk about what he saw in Haiti. He's like, Brett, we have to do this thing. We're going to go over there. We're going to start manufacturing shirts. The ones they have are not the best quality. We're going to figure out how to make a better quality shirt, and we're going to go break the poverty cycle in Haiti. Basically, you know, and you're like, okay, all right, let's slow down. How are we going to make a t-shirt? <laughs> you know, like, so kind of like starts getting a team of people involved. He's bringing in the person who at the time was kind of the VP of marketing or whatever at Rayonette. Uh, his name is Roger. He's a super tree hugger guy, right, like
0: like Mark Grant,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all want to save the environment, but come on, right? So like my wife drinks out of straws, now I give her a hard time, I never did before so he's he's looking at this at like how can we produce a shirt that is really comfortable but is also like sustainable, so they start looking into you know using tinsel and like let's use organic cotton instead of conventional cotton let's use recycled polyester. So we're looking at all this stuff and creating fibers from all these sustainable products. And then, so we make the fabric. And we also pulled in several other printers, other print shops, because if we are printers, we know what our customers want, and we can deliver a better product to our customer knowing what they want. So There's several of us that are printers. We all go to Haiti and we start cutting fabric and cutting fabric and grading it and making sure the fit is right. And you know, working with a nonprofit. They're actually based out of Kansas City called the Go Project, where they're over in Haiti creating living wage jobs. A living wage job is you can look up living wages in any city in America or any country, and it'll say This is how much people need to make in order to not be in poverty. And unfortunately, the minimum wage in a country like Haiti is very, very small. And it is nowhere near their living wage. Combine that with the fact that 80% of people in Haiti are unemployed and we got a big problem, right? And so we go over there for the first time. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like a bus picks us up from the airport we've got an armed guard with us and all this stuff, which it didn't really feel that unsafe, but I'm sure if we took a wrong turn, maybe it would be, but we're riding in this bus to where we're staying and just looking out the streets. And it's like, Whoa, I've never seen this before, you know? And I felt like I was ready for it because I'd been to Guatemala. That's a third world country. You know, I'm like, it's going to be just like that. Guatemala has like shopping malls and stuff. This is different. <laughs> Haiti's different. And Everyone was just kind of silent, looking at what we saw, getting to where we stayed. We stayed at this little, it's almost, what would we call it? Like a dormitory almost that Go Project owns. And we just sat up on this rooftop, all of us like, and drank a lot of beer and talked about how crazy it was. (laughs) And ever since then, we just had this huge passion for this project. Like, let's make better shirts for people. Let's make sure that the people that are making these shirts are making a living wage. like they get paid well, they take care of their families, their families take care of their families. Let's like break this like generational thing where kids get orphaned because their parents can't afford to take care of them. So now they're living in an orphanage, they get kicked out of the orphanage at 18 years old. they don't have a job, so what do they do? They steal things, you know. Let's break that cycle, and so we just got super passionate about it. like we created this shirt and now we're selling millions of dollars with the shirts and that's really exciting because it means people give a
0: crap. It <laughs> <laughs> is exciting and people do give a crap. I mean, I've been super impressed. I've been watching from the sidelines for the last year and I'm like, wow, this is like the perfect connected the supply chain is purposeful all the way from the beginning to the end and that's what's so rare. Absolutely. I
1: mean, it's a bonus when everyone wins, right? Like you're doing something where you're creating a thriving business, but at the same time, you're being fantastic to the partners you're working with. And in this case, you know, you've got this business opportunity, but it's almost like combined with this social mission. I think it's really, really fantastic. So kudos to you. And certainly Ryan is, I agree, someone with a huge heart and a huge amount of passion. And I was excited to learn about AllMade when I learned about it about a year and a bit ago. And it's just so great to see it thrive. I had a question about that. More of a business question about All Made. How is the product being positioned against other competitors in the apparel space? Which you know we all know is a low margin, commoditized, very very competitive product. You've got, and I'm not even going to compare it to say Gildan or Fruit. Let's just remove them altogether. But if we look at players like Bella Canvas and Threadfast and Next Level, American Apparel, of course. I mean another part of Gildan, but work with me on that. <laughs> how does All Made find its footing in the market again to those more direct competitors in the premium fashion space?
2: You know, part of Ryan's genius here is the fact that he is certainly a big deal in the screen printing industry. And so he can position it as like, you're learning how to screen print, learn to screen print on a better garment.
1: Right. Yeah, I like the Package deal.
2: <laughs> He's grabbing people that don't even know that Bella Canvas exists yet, right? Yeah. On the flip side of that is in order to sell a whole lot of garments, we got to sell a whole lot of garments through the people that are already printing on Bella Canvas and every other product too. And there's just a different stream here. Like Bella Canvas is a fantastic garment. I love that company. They've done some amazing things. They provide a 100% cotton ring spun shirt that comes in a million colors. They provide a CVC shirt that comes in a million colors. And they provide a tribal shirt that comes in a million colors, you know. And they are always going to, you know, be able to do that in a better way than we can because they've grown, they have the cash and capital to do it. We are a brand that can sell a tribal shirt for about the same price as Bell Canvas or Next Level or any of the other tribal ins, but it comes in limited colors. But, you know, we just have a bigger story behind it and so you can't sell everything on a story because at the end of the day like people have to sell t-shirts for a certain price or they're not going to be able to compete but i think that that is changing a little bit i think some of that is changing even you know we can talk all the trash we want to about millennials i am one by the way and you know about how lazy
0: they are and well then you just broke every stereotype so let's
2: (laughs) the reality is A big thing that the millennial generation loves is supporting communities, feeling a part of something, making something bigger or being a part of something bigger than they are. And we can look at other industries such as coffee, right? My dad wouldn't be caught dead spending $5 on a cup of coffee. And I personally don't actually drink coffee. But I know a lot of people that spend $5 on cups of coffee and guess what has changed as a... Part of that, all these farmers are being treated properly. That whole farming industry of coffee beans is completely changed as a result of that. So we can bring some things to people's attention. We can say like, hey, why not use recycled polyester to help save the environment instead of whatever? So like, if we can just bring a little bit of attention to some of those things, the bigger success story is the other brands following suit.
0: Yeah, good point. Good point. So does the shirt really contain six recycled plastic bottles? That's a true statement?
2: Yeah, and it depends on the type of water bottle. But if you think of those kind of cheap water bottles that you get at whatever, there's about six in there. That some of the thicker bottles, like the Coke bottles, you know, there's probably more like three of those bottles in there. But yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of recycled material in there. And when you feel the shirt and you feel how soft it is, it's like, how could there possibly be a plastic bottle in this? But there is, you know?
0: Super cool. Well, kudos to you, bro. That That's just such a killer story. And I couldn't do this podcast and not talk about it, not to shine the spotlight on you or on Ryan, but just the concept and just the commitment that everybody involved has had and why it's so important to share that type of a purpose. And I think that you guys are really purpose-driven. And I think that you're probably onto some big changes in Hopefully future exciting news that you'll share somewhere down the line. But maybe we could talk about the future just a little bit. I like to think, you know, well, what's coming? What's next? You know, are you optimistic about the future? Are you are you concerned about tech or other major disruptors? Or, you know, what do you think's gonna happen? You know, even in the short term, even in the next year, are there some friction points that we should talk about, know about, consider? What's on your mind? What's got you worried? <laughs>
2: I try not to worry. Cuz <laughs> you know, you hear people like hinting at recession, you hear in our world certainly where we're, you know, still screen printing ink through screens. There's definitely a lot of talk about direct garment like
0: what do those guys know?
2: <laughs> where is that going to go? You know, there's a lot of on press print heads now, those types of things. Right. And so that's you know, we just have to pay attention, learn about it as much as we can. I don't think that I'm worried about a big market shift or anything. We certainly have people like Amazon are in the space now, but they're just doing such different things. I'm not going to sit here and say, we're just going to keep doing the exact same thing for the next 10 years and expect that to be great. We're going to have to adapt on nearly a daily basis to what's happening around us, but I'm not worried necessarily.
0: I think you're on the money. You know, you said pay attention. So attention is the currency of our era for sure and that's not easy when you're so easily or i should say i am so easily distracted but looking for those disruptors aren't always negative either so it's something to you can pivot and you can position yourself as taking advantage of something taking advantage of that change yeah
1: i think another way of looking at that question is also to look internally Brad, I know that you talked a lot about your technology investments and how you've been able to create this great infrastructure to optimize the business and to market the business and to gain new customers. Can you talk a little bit about how you've invested in technology to grow and differentiate printed threads?
2: Yeah, I mean, in in our industry, our industry is a little bit archaic, right? Like we're still just pushing ink through mesh. That's what we do. But probably the biggest innovations that have come in the last several years is like direct to screen, which means instead of printing on a film positive, we print ink directly onto the screen so that we can image our screens faster. Anything that can raise efficiency, a faster press is well worth it like we have a machine that cleans screens for us so that a person doesn't have to do it so that we can stay lean we invested in building our own software for production management so that we can move really fast and everybody knows what's going on and when we move a job it doesn't create a bunch of chaos or we can tell our customer exactly when you know the job is being printed you know anything communication driven to make us communicate better i think certainly most companies i think have adopted Things like Slack these days, just ways that we can communicate better. We use a web app for our email called Front that helps all of our reps be able to communicate with each other and see each other's emails so that if one person doesn't know something, the other person can help, that type of stuff. So anything that we can do to make communication happen faster from person to person, I think is really important. And anything that can make even a minute increase in productivity is huge because all those little things add up yeah well
1: and it's great to see that you're not shy about making those investments because as i think you were talking about earlier on that there's risk right with these investments it may not work out it may be expensive and you're not going to pay it off for maybe a year's time maybe you've got some people internally that are reluctant to change and you've got training issues and all that but as you say it sounds like this infrastructure is completely paid off for you because look at where you are right now. You made the ink list, you bringing in the steady new stream of customers, you've differentiated the company from that, you know, the local screen print guy that doesn't have any differentiation to them. So I think that what I like about asking that question internally is that Jay, your question about the impact that technology will have on in our industry, I think that the best screen printers and apparel decorators are the ones that are Bracing themselves for change by investing in their platforms, and if they aren't, they're likely to be replaced by you know the printed threads of the world, or Amazon's, or just these companies that are just so so
0: optimized for 2019. 100% agree with you, Mark. And you know, having had the fortune of walking through Brett's shop and him giving me the world tour, he should be optimistic about the future because Brett. The truth is, you have embraced some of those early potential friction points and rather than cave to them you've adapted and you've moved through it grown by it and you know created a better printed threads as a result so kudos to you you know your culture you guys have such a great vibe about you and i love the videos that you guys do i love the fact that you never take yourselves too seriously and just as a personal whether this makes it in the podcast or not hanging out with you guys at south by southwest was such a blast and i, and I don't know if you know this mark but we got the opportunity to do an activation live at South by Southwest and try out one of their new DTG printers. And it was like, it was all new again for me because here we are posted up at this technology slash music slash gaming movie of crazy mad people. And they were just blown away by being able to print digitally and seeing that connection made. It was energizing for me. I mean, Brett was probably sick of it in a half an hour, like I got stuff to do, but I was sitting there watching the reaction of people, not the print itself, but the people and the connection and the wow factor and seeing that that's what I mean by having an optimistic future, because there were still 50,000 people in Austin going, God, that is so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and what a great story, because it puts our industry at the forefront of the conversation, the forefront of the marketing conversation, right? Right. It's now not this cheap trinkets and trash or, you know, the t-shirt guy, you know, Brett, you may sometimes get that as a derogatory comment. Now you're at the forefront of that discussion. And I think that's amazing for our industry. So people like you that continue to do that stuff, hats off to you, man.
0: Well, and it's a story that he can tell. And I don't don't want to put words in your mouth, Brett, but rather than be the t-shirt guy, Brett and his team can proudly hold their heads high and say, no, no, no. We're the marketing experience guys. Any last words? Mark
1: Graham. High fives to you, Brett. I've been really inspired by your story and appreciate you sharing all of your kernels of wisdom with the PK community. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.